On today's show, which comes first, hiring to free up time to land big clients or landing big clients to pay for hiring? It's a chicken and egg situation that our guest, Zach, has been stuck on. We do our best to answer that question, plus a few others he has, including how to combine two completely different offerings into one killer monthly recurring offer. It's all in this episode of Freelance to Founder. Here we go. I'm Preston. And I'm Clay. And this is Freelance to Founder. Clay and I have both been there, barely making ends meet as a freelancer, knowing there has to be more. But since then, we've each built multiple six or seven figure businesses. And now it's your turn. On this show, we're changing the lives of everyday freelancers just like you. Discovering this podcast a few months ago really like changed the trajectory of my journey. I'm not sure I would even be thinking about pushing this forward as much as I am if it weren't for YouTube. This has been really helpful and I, I think a good mindset shift for me. Really, really valuable stuff. I've made a ton of notes and I plan to put this stuff into action immediately. Discovering that I'm a founder instead of freelancer has been amazing for me. If you're ready to push past hourly rates and build a business that sets you free, then you've got to join us. You can call in yourself by visiting freelance2founder.com. We can't wait to chat with you. We'll be back with today's caller after this. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Hey guys, you've got enough tough decisions to make every month as you grow your business. Picking your next great book to read should not be one of them. With Book of the Month, you can forget about the hassle of browsing through endless shelves or scrolling infinitely through an overwhelming amount of book options online. Book of the Month simplifies the process of finding the next great thing to read by offering a carefully selected lineup of five to seven titles to pick from each month. From gripping thrillers to heartwarming romance and everything in between, I'm personally really excited about this new announcement from Book of the month, curated audiobooks. Since you're listening to podcasts, I assume that you like audiobooks and you're like me, you're more of a downloader than a page turner. And this is your moment. I'm right here with you. I've picked out my selections for March already and you can too. Joining book of the month is super easy, very affordable. Plus for a limited time, new members can get their first book for just $9.99 with code CHIRP. Visit bookofthemonth.com now to pick your next great read. That's bookofthemonth.com with promo code CHIRP, C-H-I-R-P, or click the link in our show description. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee with Milo.co and joining me on the air today as always is my good friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey Clay. Hey, how's it going? It's going well, man. How about you? Going, uh, yeah, it's going good. Going good. You you know? It's been a minute since we've, we've talked. What are you up to lately? Uh, I'm dealing with, uh, you know, the same, same, uh, child growing pains. <laughs> and joys i should say joys joys yeah <laughs> a little both in there yeah uh how's business business good yeah i can't complain um you know there's always growing pains too yeah we we can hear you in your uh your co-working space there so if people are wondering what that uh background noise is every once in a while it'll spike up it's not a big deal most of it willie we will edit yeah. out but if you do hear it through there clay <laughs> is in a cool new working co-working space uh not really a co-working space it's an office but there's just lots of people around. Yeah, it's a private office inside of a co-working space. But you know, yeah. I'm gonna go back and listen to this episode, and if it's so bad, um, I'll go to our. We actually have a podcast studio. We can, 
we yeah, can, cool. I can use. But you know, it's it's a shared studio, so I only got so many hours I can use. <laughs> yeah, you know, listeners, if you if you like the ambiance of of like having people in the background, let us know. If you'd prefer that we're uh, we're a little more quiet, let us know. I don't know. Different people like different things. So, um, yeah, you know you can reach us at freelance2founder.com slash ask. You can send us anything you want there. Of course, we use that also for our Tuesday episodes, which are Q&A episodes. But today is Thursday, which means we are chatting with a guest also joining us on the air today, calling from Pennsylvania, right? Yep. Yeah. Zach. Yeah, wonderful. Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. We're excited to have you. We were chatting here before we hit record. All set to go to talk about your business. Why don't you introduce us and the listeners uh, to you and your business, what you're working on, who your clients are. Just give us kind of a quick picture of what's going on. Yeah. So my name's Zach Johnson Medland. Uh, I started a small studio out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania called Gumption Design Company. So I have a background in a small agency setting and then in-house at a fly fishing uh, e-commerce store. And then I started doing some small freelance businesses on the side, um, doing branding, websites, and content creation. And then eventually that kind of led me to creating my own company and all that uh, entails. And eventually I kind of tapered off of working for someone else and then started my own thing. And I've been doing that for about a year and a half um, nice. full time. Yeah. And it's really fun. Uh, really great to work for yourself and be able to work with small businesses around here. Um, some agency offshoot work where agencies are offloading uh, some of their work to me um, and then some consulting as well. So a little bit of everything. I think what I wanted to kind of talk about was streamlining some of the services that they feed into each other a little bit better. And then yeah. kind of getting outside of the word of mouth sphere Um and advertising and marketing yourself and all that. Cool, very nice. So, so it sounds like you've you've done a ton of different things, different kinds of work. What's what would you say is like your specialty? What you do? What do you really focus on? Or or are you more of like a broad? Do you offer a more broad uh, service to your clients? Yeah. So I think one of the things I really like um, is doing branding and logo design. I think what kind of happened is I have the ability to work on websites and like working on them. So I kind of was like, okay, well, it makes sense to be able to show them how to incorporate it into a website. You know, you hand over these logo files and a lot of times the companies don't necessarily know how to use them. So I wanted to make sure they were used correctly. So if they had the budget, I'd piggyback a project on top of that to kind of roll out their brand into the website. And that's kind of where it started. And then eventually I had some clients come back to me and say, hey, we saw you do some social media stuff, some email marketing. Could you do those for us as well? So it's kind of grown naturally. Um, and I think that is great, but growth itself can kind of be its own challenge of like, how do you focus the growth then and make sure that um, you continue to get clients in certain places instead of all over the place? Yeah, this presents such a common and interesting problem, right? Which is like, who's deciding what I offer? Is it is it the people who are willing to pay me <laughs> to do work? Yep. Or is it yeah. is it me? Am I deciding what I'm actually going to do, right? And in the beginning, I feel like we all are kind of in this place where it's like, have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com freelance. That's linkedin.com freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. 
You hear us talking on the show all the time about social media and the importance of marketing yourself online as you grow your business. That's because social has played a huge role in both of our businesses as we've grown them, but actually getting customers from your social accounts to your website and ultimately to make a purchase can sometimes be more difficult than it should be. If you need a simple solution, I recommend you try getting a .bio domain from Porkbun. That's .bio, .bio. You can put it in your LinkedIn bio. You can put it wherever you want to put it so that people can get directly to your website. We've partnered with Porkbun a lot over the years for two reasons. First of all, we trust them and they offer better deals on domain names than anyone else that we know about. And right now you can get a .bio domain name for less than $3 at Porkbun. So for less than a cup of coffee, you can get a short, memorable, and professional .bio domain name to share yourself with the world. Just visit porkbun.com slash freelance or click the link in this episode's description. That's P-O-R-K-B-U-N.com slash freelance and you can get a .bio domain for $3 right now. I'll, I'll just, just take, take whatever money you, you yeah. can get yeah. and I got to pay bills, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then exactly. at some point you, you sort of start to go, no, I, I think I, you know, I really excel at this and maybe this pays the bills better and I enjoy it more and I get in this flow state. Like there's all these things to consider. Um, so it sounds like you're, you're maybe in that transition period almost like, like thinking to yourself, yeah. like, okay, how, how do I, how do I merge what I do all into one specific streamlined process and make sure that, that I'm really getting the most out of the time that I put into my work. So that's a cool place to be because you're not like scrambling anymore. Hopefully you're not scrambling anymore. Like, where am I going to get my next dollar? How am I going to buy my next meal? Right. You're, you're sort of past yeah. that very, very beginner stage. And, and now you're thinking maybe a little more strategically about your business. So I love that. Yeah, I, I feel like I've gotten to a point where I think in the beginning you kind of, yeah, you're saying yes to everything. And then at a certain point you start to realize, I mean, maybe like a year in, I started keeping track of everything and you can see that it, whether you know that a project is going to happen or not, as long as you're doing your marketing, talking and networking and all of that, the projects tend to go along. So you start to get a little bit more comfortable um, mm. saying no to certain things and then as I did that, I realized, okay, there, there's something to this. I have to keep doing this. It's just, yeah. yeah, kind of doing the forethought before that. It's actually such a good feeling, right, Clay? Like when you go from, will mm -hmm. I get more work or any work to, yeah, I, if I just keep doing what I'm doing, I'm at least going to get some work. Yeah. 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 That's a really, really good feeling. It's, um, you know, you get past that, uh, Again, you get past that startup mode phase. Like, I mean, like, I mean, technically you're still in startup, but like that early startup mode of, I just need to put food on the table. Yeah. There's a lot mode. of fear. I feel like yes. in that stage and you yes. finally get to get to begin to brush that off a little bit. I, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a mind, it's a mind shift change, right? It's like, there's this natural progression that happens whenever you're, whenever you first start a business where it's where it's, there's a lot of fear and you're avoiding a certain situation, you're avoiding mm. starving yourself, you're avoiding being homeless to a point where now your mind is like now proactive versus, mm. you know, being avoiding a reactive state. Does that uh, make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's sort of like at some point you get to switch to this like abundance mentality where you're just like, no, there's, there's plenty of work, there's plenty of business. If I've done it once, I can do it over again. Uh, as opposed to like, will there be enough clients? Will there be enough money? Can I make this work? All those questions that you ask before you start and then for your first few months or maybe a year, you're kind of asking those questions too. Yeah, that's a perfect way of putting it. I, I think one thing I've encountered too is that um, when I started, so I tapered off from a full-time job, which was really lucky that they allowed me to just go part-time mm. and then slowly... As yeah. they didn't need me anymore, I could taper off and kind of really put my toes in the water and like feel it out before. Um, but I noticed that I think when you first jump off, you I had this expectation of like, I'll give it a year. If it doesn't work, you know, we'll move on, whatever. Yep. I just yep. know that I have to try it because it's happening now. And I mm. think you get past that. I hit a year and kind of was like, Oh crap. Like I didn't really plan beyond a year. I just kept saying <laughs> I'm going to make it to a year and then you're like I keep hitting goals which is great. Yeah. It's it's its own problem when you're kind of like, "Oh shoot, I wasn't thinking big enough to like mm -hmm. 
grow <laughs> past that, you know? I did the same thing. I, I When I first started, I was like, I'm going to give it a year. I, I same same mentality. I went through the same. It's a very similar journey. I was, and then a year passed, and I was like, "Huh, I actually did make this a thing." <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, people actually actually like me enough to keep paying me. Yeah, yeah. We had something very similar. You've heard my story, which is uh, did it on the side forever. Got laid off from a job. Was so excited to give it a try, and sat down and crunched the numbers and. Um, we had something like 18 months financial runway, which is ridiculous. Yep. And yeah. and um, so I said, I'll give it 18 months, right? And my wife and I kind of decided we'll give it 18 months. If it doesn't, well, actually I said we'll give it, I think I said we'll give it six months or maybe 12 months, right? And then you still have some time to find a job. Uh, and yeah, we just never, we've never even had that conversation again, right? It's yeah. six, six yeah. years later, seven years later almost. And we've never had the conversation of like, well, is this working, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because it is, and and it's a really good feeling uh, to finally be out of that stage of wondering, and uh, you know, staying up at night and and like wondering if it's going to work out. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about where your business is headed, Zach. So, you know, listeners of the show know that we have this questionnaire that you fill out when you come on. If you want to join us on the show, like Zach is joining us today, we're going to help him uh, power through a couple issues he's facing in his business. Hopefully, help help him have a breakthrough, take his business to the next level. We'd love to do that for you as well. Well, you can visit freelance2founder.com where uh, we can uh, have you fill out a find a time on our calendar and then fill out a questionnaire. In the questionnaire, we ask a few questions. It's really quick, really easy. And one of those questions is on a scale of one to 10, one being a freelancer, 10 being a founder, one being you know working entirely on your own, your business relies on you, you can't ever take a vacation, to 10 being you know your business has systems and processes set up, you maybe have some people working with you or for you, and it's a lot easier to step away from your business and it'll still continue to generate revenue. Where do you fall on that scale? And Zach, you put that you're currently at a three, but a year from now or so, you would like to be more at an eight. So could you walk us through what an eight looks like in your mind? Like a year from now... Uh, as you know, we're talking about this idea of growing past where you had planned originally. What does an eight look like for you a year from now? Yeah, I think one of the main things is being able to work with other freelancers and maybe hiring out some of the work, um, especially with things like websites where there's a developer involved um, and then having like some processes around making sure everything gets checked before it goes out the door. Um, some of the things that you benefit from when you get more people in is having a little bit more eyes on things um, mm -hmm. and just yeah I, I think a lot of it revolves around being able to hire someone else out and yeah. have the processes that stay in place because I think as one person yeah, I can theorize about having processes um, but um, it really starts to come into play when you have two people or more yeah so, okay, so let's talk about that then. What what is um what do you feel like is sort of standing in your way or what's a hurdle that you're facing when it comes to getting to that point where you're at an eight, you maybe have one or two or more people working for you, you've developed some processes in there. What can we help you with today, Zach? Yeah, I think some of it is about at what point do you hire that person? Um, it's kind of like a chicken and egg problem of like, do you wait for the big client you know, that helps mm -hmm. you fund that? Or do you hire them and then you have more time and then you can go out? Um, and then I think I am not confident that the current clients I have will fulfill enough to hire that person right now. And mm -hmm. I want to make sure I get some like, I have one or two reoccurring clients, but I'd like to get like three or four and then maybe like one large gig before yeah, I would hire someone else. Yeah. Well, let me ask this question. And then I'd love to Clay's take on like, this chicken and egg issue, which is, you know, do I wait till I have the big client to hire people? Or do I hire people? And then that frees up time to get the big client. My question is, Zach, um, do you find right now that you don't have time to go out and find those big clients because you're so busy executing on the deliverables for clients? Or is that not an issue? It's, I mean, the classic like, feast and famine thing happens mm -hmm. a lot of times where um, this past year was a really good example. I had booked out maybe three months in advance and I was working um, pretty heavily throughout the summer. And then I submitted a bunch of stuff 
had a couple clients sign on and I had this large gap of time where I realized, okay, I haven't been marketing myself. I had all this time booked out. So now you have to go back and market. And I feel like it kind of goes in those cycles of you get really yeah. busy. I stop going to networking events. I stop emailing and posting on social media. And then you come out of that fog and are kind of like, okay, um, I need to be doing these things. And when you're doing those things, projects happen and pretty consistently, but just making sure that it's continuing throughout the busy seasons. Right. That, that's classic feast famine, right? It's like you, you have no work. And so you have plenty yeah. of marketing time, sales time, and then you get lots of work. So you have no sales or marketing time. And then that leads to no work. And it's, that's, that's yeah. literally why it's a cycle, right? It's because yep. we, we're trying to do it all. So Clay, what's your take? If he's, if he's looking at uh, like hiring, does he hire in anticipation of freeing up some time to have bigger or more clients? Or does he maybe like double down, pull a few late nights, extend his own hours, get those clients and then hire someone? Mm, yeah, this is a really good um, <laughs> topic to discuss. We've talked, we've talked about it before. I don't think either way is incorrect. Um, I don't think there's one solution to this. So I'm just going to preface with what I'm yeah. saying with this. It all really depends on your own personal situation. If you have the time to be able to just put in a few extra hours um, and you want to stay lean, like maybe that's the way to go. But if you do have like, if, if, if you, let's just say, and I don't know your personal situation, but let's just say you have kids and a family and stuff and maybe that time is just off limits, you know? Um, and you don't have that time to be able to put in the extra hustle, um, then hiring might make more sense. I, yeah. the, the only thing, so like, I think it's just going to really depend on your situation. So like, tell me a bit about more about, about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so I had the, uh, privilege of my wife has a full-time job as well. So when I came off of my part-time work into full-time freelancing or, uh, working for myself, um, I did have the benefit of that. And we don't have kids, so that's really nice. Um, we have one dog, but mm -hmm. not the same at all, I understand. It feels a lot like the same, getting it yeah. from nothing and having to walk him all the time, but I know it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so do you do you have the – so two things. Do you – would, would your wife be okay with the extra hours because they would probably be in the evening sometime um, or maybe a weekend – um, so that's question one and two, um, and you don't have to answer that. Like th this is just yeah. a rhetorical question. Um, yeah. but number two, do you have, uh, a thing that can affect this is, do you have the extra cash flow that could cover hiring somebody, you know, cause yeah. the answer yeah. to both of those questions, um, and I'll throw in a third question. I think that's a uh, very, something that people don't think about. But the answer to those two questions will affect your answer. Um, the third question I would say is, how much capacity are you actually at currently? Because some people think they're a lot busier than they actually are. But if you actually track your time, yeah, you may have spent like an hour or hour and a half just scrolling on social media during launch. You know what I mean? Um, yep. So it's like, how much actual capacity you have. So my rule of thumb is, is that before you hire, you need to make sure that your capacity is pretty close to full, not full, not past full, but close to it. Um, I'd say probably like 85, 90%. Yeah. So the reason why you don't want to do it when you're at a hundred percent is because now you're going to rush higher. Yep. Yes. And what happens when you rush hires, you, you hire, you, you probably going to hire like a bad quality employee or contractor. You can't take the time to fully vet the people. So that's why I like somewhere between 80, 90% capacity that gives you enough time to vet, you know, people properly and go through a slower hire, hiring process. Um, so like with all those three factors in mind, like you can go either way. I don't think I don't think there's any right way or wrong way. It just depends on your personal situation. 
Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think this past year, too, I've tried to... After I hit a year, I wanted to kind of push myself. So I've been trying to fill it closer to reality, you know, making sure I'm keeping track of my time and saying like, okay, how much of that is actually billable? How much of that are you, you know, taking a walk with the dog because you think that you don't need to be working right now or something like that? Um, and then like being honest with myself about that. And I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Is I Once you start looking at the numbers, sometimes you're like, oh, I was not actually that busy as I felt. I think, I think, though, keeping that in mind, and I agree with everything you and Clay have said, it's important also to ask yourself, like we're saying, you know, make sure that you feel, you know, your spouse or your partner or whatever feels good about that you spending the extra time or make sure your cash flow looks good. You also have to ask yourself, like, I'm trying, you know, most of us are trying to not only build a business, but build a lifestyle around our business. Not a lot of us are trying to build like multi-million dollar startups or tech companies, right? And so you do have to ask yourself, like, yes, maybe I am taking the dog on a walk every afternoon, but is that something that I'm willing to give up now in exchange for more clients? Or is that something I want to hold on to, right? All of those it's maybe maybe a little bit of a silly example, but like all those lifestyle lifestyle decisions, yeah. right? As as kids, if they end up coming into the picture, you know, um, just all those questions. It's like, am I willing to give up time with my kids or with my spouse or with my friends or with my hobbies or with my church or whatever whatever it is you have going on in your life, right? Am I willing to sacrifice some of that time to build my business, or um, or am I not willing to sacrifice that extra time? All of those kinds of questions, I think, will inform that decision. Yeah, yeah, because I I know that that was part of the reason I wanted to go full time by myself was benefit of being able to, you know, do some, you know, whatever you want with your own time and be at home and looking into the future at maybe having kids of like, if I have this job while I have kids, it's a lot more flexible than if I was working at a desk job. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good point. Yeah, so so you know, unfortunately, I wish we could answer this question for yeah. you. Those are the kinds of questions that listeners, if if you're wondering the same thing, which comes first, the chicken or the egg, the the hiring or the client, you know, those are the kinds of questions you have to ask yourself. I don't know, Zach, are you, um, what are you after thinking through those kinds of questions? What are you thinking would be a better fit for your business? Are you thinking hire first or try to find those bigger clients first? Uh, I I think. I- I want to try and hire someone. I do think if I got a little bit extra time um, that I could start to get some bigger clients and really follow those leads, you know, I think it's something that I underestimate how much time it takes to build those relationships and follow up Mm. with people and grab coffee and all of that. Um, And I know there's some work like working on a website that I am definitely not the most effective at, you know, and doesn't keep me interested. So it takes a lot longer. And I Mm. think if I was hiring someone else out, there's the possibility it would kind of even out, if not be better anyway. Yeah. And the nice thing we've talked about this on the show before too, the nice thing is you could hire just a contractor, subcontractor right now. Yeah. um, And just, just book them for like one or two projects, right? There's no long-term commitment, or Clay and I will say, I think Clay has a 30-day rule. I typically do like a 90-day rule where it's like after 30 or 90 days, we're going to reevaluate and see if this is working. And there's a lot less like onboarding time or uh, you know legal paperwork, all of that stuff that you might deal with with a full-time employee. And you can limit those hours. So it's like, look, I have a budget for, you know, 10 hours a week or something. Yeah. So you can really start small uh, and ease into it and make sure that that's the right fit for you as well without blowing all of your cash flow on it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't even think of, you know, telling them I only have this many. I always kind of assumed like uh they're going to have to take whatever they take, but that makes sense. Yeah, no, you decide, right? You're the you're the client and so uh, you know, it's weird because on the one hand, we tell freelancers, "No, you decide your rates." <laughs> and then on the yeah. other hand, you, you as the client, we're like, "No, you decide," <laughs> right? But but yeah. the in reality, you have to come to an agreement, right? Um if if a client can't afford you as the freelancer, Zach, then then you guys can't work together, right? Um, 
And if you can't afford a certain freelancer or contractor as the client, then you guys also can't work together. It's the exact same relationship. So it's kind of weird because you'll you'll start to live in this like duplicitous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you start to just live in both roles. Like on on some days yeah. you'll be the the freelancer or the contractor with a client, and on the other hand you'll be like the client to a subcontractor. Yeah. So it can get a little tricky, but but um definitely yeah you can you can one hundred percent set those boundaries for your business knowing what your cash flow is. And you can say, look, I've got $1,500 this month. That's it. And here's what I'd like to have you work on. Does that sound like something that you know you could do for that amount? And there will be some freelancers that will just be out of your budget. And that's fine. That's just how business works. And there will be some that are within your budget. And the trick is finding the really good ones who are also within your budget, like the very best you can get for, yeah. the, for, the, you know, for the right budget. Yeah. Let's... Let's let's talk a little bit about your. I know you had a second question and I've forgotten it. So we talked about hiring. What was what was the other issue we wanted to tackle today? I want to make sure we cover everything you came for today. I think um, kind of looking at getting clients outside of word of mouth and reaching those larger clients. I think I I don't think I've exhausted the pool of word word of mouth clients. But looking ahead and realizing, okay, at some point. Um, it'll get lower from word of mouth and like really trying to push um, nailing some bigger clients that are like not. Yeah. I get a lot of local um, clientele from small businesses. Um, I work out of a co-working space as well. So I get a lot of referrals that way. Um, And I love working with those businesses, but a lot of times working with some, a few larger clients that are doing, a full brand project with a website with the content creation, like monthly retainer kind of thing going on is what keeps me able to work mm. with the smaller people and have some time to do those lower um, revenue projects. Can we define, uh, can we define large client? Because it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. are are you, cause you, the way you're describing this is that you work with smaller quote unquote local businesses but is it is it is smaller because they're only doing one service with you or because of the actual business is only you know a mom and pop shop versus a corporation right yeah no that's a good point um probably a little bit of both so they're usually pretty small businesses like mom and pop owned Um, A couple of them have like employees. Sometimes I get like some manufacturing um, clients. And then usually what happens is someone will come in for a website. Um, I'll usually tell them that I also offer branding services if they want to redo their logo before we do the website um, or after. And then once we're through, usually I'll follow up with them and say, hey, it looks like you could use some email marketing, general content creation services. Got it. Can we talk um, numbers though? Like yeah, yeah. How, how much is a small client to you and how much is a large client to you? Revenue. I think like a small client, typical client that I'm getting now is maybe like 1800 to like maybe $2,500 a project. Um, and then larger, I would say like I had a client that was uh branding website and then the whole kind of kit and caboodle and that turned out to be like five thousand to eight thousand dollars um and then i have a couple reoccurring clients that are monthly retainers and those are like seven hundred dollars a month so those are nice because they kind of keep everything going what do they pay you for uh so that's general content services which is usually updating their website um with a blog i usually sit down with them, talk about what they're doing for marketing, then give them a blog from that talk, turn it into four to six social media posts, and then pump out an email for them as well for that. Do you want more of those clients or do you want more of the five to $10,000 one-time project clients? This is a hard, I always, I think this is where some of the struggle lies is the, it's comfy to get the content creation ones because they're reoccurring, but I like the five to eight thousand dollar ones, and I think I do those better. Okay. Do you like Do you like them better because of the the numbers higher? Or do you like the work better? I like the work better. It. Yeah. I don't. 
done a lot of like content creation services in past jobs. So it's kind of something that comes along with a lot of like um, in-house positions. You know, you end up making yeah. a lot of emails and stuff and it, I get it, but it's not really exciting to me. It's kind of just like plug and play. Okay, so the 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 recurring stuff I will tell you is going to allow you to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, predictably, predictably, without, yeah. without that fear, right? That chicken and egg fear. Yeah. So I I'm I'm wondering if and I and I totally get the the five to eight thousand dollar projects like I like. If that's where what you enjoy doing, I totally get that. That's what you want to do yeah. more of. Um, so I'm just curious. Remind me again of what that would include. Like if I if it's a eight thousand dollar job, what what would that include? So that would usually be like a branding redesign. So we'd go through brand identity, a little bit of strategy in the beginning to kind of set that up get the brand identity done, um, then go through a web creation process and kind of set up a five-page website. Um, and then usually with brand identity, I give them like a couple pieces that would be helpful for them. So usually mm-hmm. I limit it to three. So maybe like a business card, letterhead, social media template, something like that. What What happens with the website? Do they just, who hosts that? Do you, do you host it? They host it? What? Yeah, so... Previously, I was, um, I don't, I would use like Bluehost um, and then they would host it. So they would do all of that. What I started realizing, and I'm trying to figure out this pricing as well for switching over to, I have someone in the co-working facility that lo- works with like other local, local design agencies for hosting and he's a heck of a lot better service and a lot faster hosting mm-hmm. um, and customer service. So I'm trying to work whether to go from like a one-time plan. He costs a little bit more, but it's so much more worth it than dealing with like Bluehost and all of the different mm-hmm. customer service things. And um, yeah, so the answer is they do it currently. I'm looking at trying to turn the website into a reoccurring model because I think they get a lot better quality out of it too. You know, someone will usually end up, I noticed a lot of clients will say, can we edit this ourselves? And my answer is usually technically you can, yes. Um, But I will not be responsible for changes made. Sure. Um, And what, how do you charge? How do you charge people if they want to, if they want you to do it? Uh, I usually do hourly. I started doing mm-hmm. like packages of hours and this then is how, this is why, this is why they want to, yeah, uh, this is why they ask if they can make the changes. This is this. Ne- yeah. I never understood this by the way, websites. So websites, by the way, are a very, very easy monthly recurring thing to offer. Yeah. Um, even if you don't do it and you want to partner th- with this other person, you can just kind of white label that if you wanted to. Um, and just kind of charge upcharge over that. But like the reason why people want to, and this is just my eight years of web experience. Um, the reason why people want to update the, their websites themselves is because their web provider is charging hourly for a service that's super technical that the client has absolutely no idea how long it's going to take. And therefore they don't know yeah. how much it's going to cost. And therefore they're going to say, I'll just update it myself. Yeah. And what happens with that is that now your credibility is is terrible because they paid you for something that they have to do themselves. Um and then they get frustrated and then they move over to the next web person. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Preston, you Well, to in my it. mind, in my mind, I think I think maybe there I think you could tie in these two clients these two types of clients like i think I so assume, too i assume the sale getting the getting the sale closing the deal on the $700 a month thing is quite a bit easier than closing the deal on a yes $8000 yep so and much so like yeah, yeah so so imagine imagine if you um 
instead offered because they're very like they're very related, right? What if the service was I will help you rebrand and rebuild your website um, and then I will publish frequent content on your website and your social media. And this will cost $750 a month. We'll sign a 24-month contract. Um, and and in the first three months, we will do your brand and website. And then the every month after that, it'll just be new, fresh content. Any updates you need on the site, it's all included. I mean... Yeah, that's exactly like, what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. And, you and, know, and it's, and it's so easy to hire. You need like three of those clients to hire someone to start helping with updates. And, and then you can completely hire out that other stuff that you don't enjoy as much. The, yep. the content updates, the social posts and all that. And you can focus on the front end, the first three months that you love to do. And then you can still reap the financial benefit of the remaining, you know, 21 mm-hmm. months plus. Yeah. Of, of having that client and and it's an easier sell like i, I don't see a downside you know to, to trying that no yeah. i yeah i love that i i think that's something i've been trying to figure out how the pieces fit together yeah you just lump it all into one package and you spread yeah. it out over 24 months that's what you do like just exactly what preston said because like if it's a let's just say it's a seventy five hundred dollar package right i'm just doing the math here sorry you're gonna yeah. hear some clicks guys Preston, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was getting mad at Clay before we hit record because he was clicking his mouse. I'll, I'll just click my mouse while you talk. Yeah. So a seventy five hundred dollar package that over twenty four months that's three hundred twelve dollars and fifty cents a month, and then you add on the seven hundred what seven hundred a month for the other stuff. Yeah. So it's one thousand twelve dollars fifty cents. I would just say you get all of this for nine hundred and ninety five dollars a month over twenty four months. And call it a day. Like that's so much simpler to sell. Yeah. yeah if somebody's no, willing to pay seven hundred dollars a month, they're willing to pay for nine hundred ninety-five dollars. And the 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 benefit is they get so much more. Right. Yeah. The the only the only caveat is is that it is a twenty-four month agreement. But from my experience, that's not difficult to sell. And so you just have to lock it in. And I know what a lot of graphic designers are saying right now. Um, they're probably saying, well. Uh, I did all this like work on the front end. What happens if they like quit or whatever? Um, to me, this is where a a you lock in your agreement. So yeah. pay a lawyer, lock in your agreement to where it is a 24 month agreement and transfer of ownership doesn't happen until the 24th month. Uh, yeah, no, that's a, yeah. That's how you lock this in. So over over the the branding assets that's the way i would do it and i think you could sell that all day long this is blowing my mind a little bit it's like something that's just been like i mean like yeah similar, like you know and it's coming together and you're like oh shoot like <laughs> well it's so funny because i mean think about it like if you're pitching somebody a full menu of services and you're saying hey i could do a website i can do a a, a branding package for like this this is going to cost three thousand dollars this is going to cost four thousand dollars this is going to cost another two thousand uh yeah. also on top of that we can we can add on web hosting for 99 dollars <laughs> a month plus on top of that we can do email and blogs for 700 dude that's so effing complicated it, it feels <laughs> like it's funny you say this because the other day i was i was getting really frustrated because i went to a diner and you know they give you those menus that have like 500 options on yep. them mm-hmm. but i was saying to my friend i was like this is what i feel like sometimes because i mm-hmm. have to like i have a document that literally just says like every possible thing and what our allotment it might have and what price it yeah. might be and i was mm-hmm. like every time they don't I want that either yeah yeah yeah, yeah no that i mean makes sense. you know you could you could offer all of this stuff a la carte um but as far as marketing and sales and like what you're pitching you just make it this package. It's like nine ninety five yeah. for everything. And you think about too, like the opportunity cost here, right? They can either do it all themselves, which is which for most businesses is is well worth less than a thousand dollars to not have to deal with it, because most of them are not in web, they're not in tech, they don't understand content, they don't get it, but they know they should be doing it. Yeah. And so you're talking about twelve thousand dollars a year, right? So the other op- the other alternative would be for them to hire someone. And who are you gonna hire for twelve thousand dollars a year? And that's, I mean, honestly, that's kind of where 
it, this actually makes a lot of sense because when I was coming out of my full-time job, essentially the experience I had was working in an agency where they were kind of doing that for people where, yeah. and I was seeing that, you know, there's that in-between client who cannot afford large agency services of like $20,000, $30,000 plus, but there's also... Like there's a space for it somewhere in there where and that was kind of what I was realizing is that these clients have a lot of these small businesses have room for a marketing budget, but they really don't understand how to use it. So they end Mm -hmm. up spending it on all these little bits and pieces that don't end up doing them any good. So then they end up never doing any marketing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you'd be selling is for for less than a thousand dollars a month. Your website, your social, and your email will all align. The content will all match. It will all drive leads and new customers. It will all look well together. It will all have the same voice. Like it's all going to be cohesive instead of, yeah, one Upwork freelancer doing your email and one Fiverr freelancer doing your social and someone else doing your website. Like it's going to be all in one place. You could not, there is no way you could hire you know, a web developer, a social media strategist, an yeah. email copywriter for less than uh, for less than a thousand dollars a month. I think I think it becomes a really easy sell. So, yeah. um, do you think? And maybe this is beyond the scope of this um, podcast, but do you think selling wise that it should be focused on return on investment as something in the contract or kind of brand identity? Or does it not matter, do you think? I think it's a good that's question. A question. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> question. I, to me, to me, that's going to depend a lot on the conversations you yeah. have with your clients. Yeah. yeah. Right? I think there are some clients who are, are willing to pay for sort of that brand awareness. And yeah. there are some clients who are like, I'm not going to spend a penny unless I get a positive ROI out of it. So it's really just going to depend on what kind of clients you want to attract and what they're telling you. And, and I think mm-hmm. you'll start to find one or the other. In my experience, that's there's literally those two types of clients where yep. it's like, you know, one of them is willing to pay whatever just to have their brand look great and have brand awareness and they believe in brand awareness. And if they have good brand awareness, they believe the sales will come. And then the other people who like know every little piece of data, they know where every sale comes from, how many clicks it takes, how many email subscribe, like they know the whole funnel, yeah, like the back of their hand. And and you're just going to have to figure out which client you work best with and which ones are easiest for you to close, I think. I don't know. Clay, do you have anything to add? I think either way, you're selling the same thing. You're selling, right, this list of services. But I agree with Preston. I think whoever you're talking to, this is where sales training comes into play. Yeah. Um, It depends on who you're talking to and how the conversation goes. uh, If you're talking to like a super data analytics person talk to them talk to talk their language talk data right um if you're talking about somebody who's like big on the look and the visuals and things like that then talk brand aesthetics you know um if you're talking about um if you're talking to somebody who uh who is doing this to increase their own client experience right yeah then talk that language right at the end of the day you're still pitching the same thing just just use different words according to who you're talking to no that makes a lot of sense yeah you know you you know selling things like if you sell a car right some people are going to really care about the engine some people are going to care about the color (laughs) some people are going to care about the the mileage like you you sell it based on what people care most about i like that approach Mm -hmm. yeah I think a really good question to ask prospects as you're having those conversation is, is what is, what is the thing that's the most priority for you right now? Yeah, no, like, that makes a lot of sense. Because that, that answer is going to vary. Um, you know, and I think that's going to help steer the, the conversation. Yeah. I was, I was kind of thinking, that makes a lot of sense. I was not thinking at the beginning of the sales funnel. I was thinking process wise of like mm. um, making sure that they're happy those 24 months mm. and like showing either return on investment or, but that makes a lot of sense too of like asking. Yeah, that, that's the, the that's the second part of the conversation. Yeah. that That's, you have that part of the conversation after they give you buying signals. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because this is this is where people mess up, and and this is why people like lose sales, is because they go right into what they're getting, right? But you hadn't even sold the damn thing yet. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. got to know what's important to them, and what's priority for them, and then talk about that. And then when they go, mm-hmm. when they give you buying signals, you know, an example would be, oh, okay, well, how would how would you do help me with this? Or what does that include? Um, how much does this cost, right? That is when you go into that part of the conversation. Yeah, reassuring them with showing them. Yeah, and, and I yeah. think too, like, if, if you don't know, if you can't prove ROI, then don't then don't take that angle. You know what I mean? Like yeah. some of your work, you may not be able to prove ROI on it. I think that's the, um, that's the hardest part I've had is. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely. And there will be some clients, clients who, who yeah. demand that and they just might not be a good fit for you. Yeah. Um, it'll depend. I would and, not and do maybe, that. Maybe, maybe like over time you can you can start to get a feel for what ROI looks like and you can give case studies and things. Clay, what were you saying? You You wouldn't do what? I would not guarantee ROI. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. Especially on a 24-month contract. Mm -mm. Yeah, like if you, that's just, because what's going to happen is you're going to get people that's going to come back in on the back end and ask for a bunch of refunds. Yep. Yeah. You guaranteed this. You said this would accomplish that. Yeah. Now that's so much out of your control, right? Yeah. That's not to say you can't have an ROI conversation, but I would not guarantee it. Yeah, what I, I've, what I've done ahead. in the past is like given them the tools to track what they think is like a, like I say, like, talk to me about if you think this is not worth it during those meetings, you know, bring it up so we can address the concerns. But I don't necessarily, because it's just so hard to measure on my end of like every week, what am I going to do? Ask them for their sales and then compare yeah. it to like. You know that it just it's uncontrollable. Really, it's uncontrollable yeah, on your it's part. Not, it's outside of your control. It's not fair to to ask for them to ask that of you. Things that you can't control, right? I, I what you can guarantee is like, look, we can guarantee we will have a fresh new blog post on your website every week or whatever you know, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. We will have new social media content twice a week. We we will update your website within you know thirty six hours of of you sending a request. Like whatever you decide. The things that are 100% within your control, those are the things you can guarantee. And then you can say things like, and for most of our clients, they tend to see an uptick in traffic and a da-da-da-da-da, but what we can guarantee is we can do this, and if, and you know, depending on what you do on your end, we do this with, uh, with clients all the time where I say like, look, for some clients, this works really well, and for other clients, this works really well, and so it's going to depend on what's set up on your side, right? Um, yeah. But here's what we can do and what and what we typically see, uh, and it'll just depend again on what what you're doing on your end on the other half of the equation. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, well, Zach, this has been a fun conversation today. Thank you so much for calling in. Hopefully, it's been helpful for you. Yeah, this is super uh, helpful. I appreciate it so much, guys. Yeah, it's awesome. really cemented a lot of yeah. ideas together. Finally, good, good, great. Why don't you let people know really quickly where they can find you, and then we'll sign out. Yeah, so you can find me on line at gumptiondesign.co or um, on Instagram at Gumption Design Company. Perfect. I love it. Zach, thank you so much for joining us. I've been Preston Lee with Milo.co and, of course, Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Thanks, Clay. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. All right, we'll see you guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance to Founder, a collaboration between Milo, Dripify, and the Poglomerate. You can find links to my business, Milo. Clay's business, Dripify, and of course, our podcasting partner, The Podglomerate, all in the description of this episode. Remember to call in for your own episode at freelancetofounder.com. A very special thank you to the members of the Milo and Podglomerate teams who work behind the scenes to make this production possible. To stream past episodes, visit freelancetofounder.com or search Freelance to Founder wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for now. Until next time, see ya. We will see you guys on the next episode of Freelance to Founder. Thank you.